I'm Richard. And I'm Will. And together we're... The, the Irreverent, Irreverent Nerds! Nerds. Bum, bum, bum. Hello nerds, Cork here. Coming up on this week's episode of the Irreverent Nerds podcast, Mr. Will Boyer begins the episode by talking about a film that almost got made... Batman vs. Godzilla. Then we transition into an instant review of Thor Love and Thunder recorded by our very own Will and Richard minutes after watching the movie. Stay tuned to see what they thought of it and whether they agree with my 2.5 stars rating. There should have been more goats. And don't forget about the final segment of the episode where Richard Best will share an original short story that he wrote and performed. So, that's what's coming up on this week's episode of the Revan Nerds Podcast. Don't miss it! Hello, this is Cartoonist Will, and welcome to another exciting episode of Japan Jaunt. Now, today's Japan Jaunt is exciting. Why? Because earlier... The last second, as I couldn't figure out what I was going to do tonight, my wife said, what about Batman vs. Godzilla? That's right, folks. I completely forgot. This is a real thing that almost happened. Batman vs. or meets Godzilla. Two different titles, tentative titles. The original script was written by Shinichi Sakazawa, who had written other Godzilla films, such as King Kong vs. Godzilla. This was to be a project between Toho and Greenway Productions. That's right, folks. This film was to star Adam West as Batman and Burt Ward as the Boy Wonder Robin fighting Godzilla in the 60s. That's right. The original draft by Shinichi Sekizawa was completed in 1965, although his draft... No more copies seem to knowingly exist. What we do have is a second draft by an unknown American. It is, I would assume, an edited, uh, rewritten draft of Shinichi Sekozawa's original draft uh, from the Greenway production side. This draft, uh, the only known draft, is owned by Batman series producer William Dozier and kept an American Heritage Center in Wyoming. This film would have been a sequel to both King Kong vs. Godzilla from 1962 and, after the uh, second draft, a sequel to Batman 66 theatrical film in 1966. It probably would, uh, excuse me, probably created by Sekuzawa, uh, this film was to cash in most likely on the crossover craze that King Kong vs. Godzilla produced because there's lots of money in that and honestly why wouldn't there be Batman vs. Godzilla my gosh so why didn't this happen it probably didn't happen due to bad timing as both properties were starting to garner less viewers in 1967 and were starting to end their camp phases now of course Godzilla would remain to do camp for the rest of the 70s and then reboot in a darker sense in 1984 and in America, Godzilla Returns. 
Yes, same film, by the way, not separate ones. Just talking about the Japanese versus the American uh, version of the same film. Anyway, getting back to Batman versus Godzilla, uh, it did not get picked up in 1965, obviously, and the reason why is probably because DC and Dozier and Greenway Productions were probably too busy creating the Batman 66 TV show first. Toho possibly moved on when their script was uh, not picked up. Uh, the basic plot of this film would have been Barbara and Commissioner Gordon on vacation in Japan, uh, but they would have called him Batman and Robin when a mad German scientist war criminal, Klaus Finster, uh, an original villain created only for this film, uh, he was a war criminal for World War II, he pops up demanding a 20 million ransom to be paid by the country of Japan or he will destroy the nation with his latest invention, supposedly a weather controlling machine. This is a ruse as Batman uses his detective skills to deduce he is actually controlling Godzilla instead. Godzilla and Batman, uh, Batman's team face off as a result of controlling Godzilla. Lots of hijinks occur in between the Godzilla fights, of course, if we can call them fights. <laughs> uh, I'm just joking, you know, he's Batman. I want to see it, but he's not a kaiju. This would have been a very unorthodox Godzilla film I wish it had been made. Anyway, lots of hijinks occur, including our heroes fighting several Japanese martial artists and other cultural stereotypes, such as kabuki actors with swords, sumo wrestlers on a bullet train, all of these would have been agents of the German scientist Klaus Finster. One scene contains the dynamic duo being trapped in a gas chamber disguised as a taxi cab. Another has a naked but masked Batman and Robin chasing a villain through a bathhouse. A bathhouse. I love it. I love. I, this is one of the scenes. This is probably the scene I want to see the most because it's hilarious. It's hilarious. There would have been a car chase. Uh, they even would have fought robot doubles. Uh, not doubles of themselves, but of other characters that had been re killed and replaced by the mad scientists. But these these androids were spying on Batman and Robin the whole time. The, the initial sight in this script of Godzilla causes Batman a nervous breakdown, but his wits are still in the final showdown. The Batman uh, the Batman's Batmobile is destroyed, but Batman gets a newer model by Japanese scientists, a new Japanese Batmobile. Godzilla even falls in love with Craig's Batgirl, and who wouldn't, and refuses to do her harm. Batman believes Godzilla is looking for a mate, and so tricks Godzilla into chasing a simulated female Godzilla mating call while he seals... Sorry, I'm reading my notes. What does that say? Scales. Ha. Because <laughs> that didn't make any sense. Okay, while Batman scales... Godzilla's back and straps a bomb to his neck, knocking Godzilla unconscious and Class Finster having fallen to his death during an earlier rooftop fight, Batman and the Japanese people build a spaceship around the snoozing Godzilla and send him into Earth's orbit, where he will remain forever, or at least until the next Godzilla film anyway. Now, what's interesting um, is several ideas or elements of this script may have supposedly made it into later Godzilla films. A female Mechagodzilla was originally teased 
around uh, in this right here, but it was tossed by Dozier. Uh, in the, he did some edits and marked it out in favor of the mating call audio. Both the mating call audio and Mechagodzilla could have found their way into later Godzilla films. The, the first Godzilla film to include Mechagodzilla, for example, also this the bird audio call in Godzilla Returns aka Godzilla 1984 could have been uh, taken from this original draft uh, because Sekozawa was wrote uh, he wrote a lot of Godzilla films uh, so he could have taken this idea with him and reused it somewhere else uh, for a movie that actually did get made one of Batman's other ideas in the Godzilla vs. Batman film was to throw Godzilla into a volcano and that may have also been used in the 1984 Godzilla Returns film. A weather machine also made its way into Son of Godzilla because Sekizawa, of course he wrote the original draft in 1965, it's possible the idea of a scientist using the machine to try to get a ransom and take over the world could have also been used for the Batman 66 theatrical film but personally, I believe it's, that's more likely a coincidence as evil scientists are just a dime a dozen. Uh, now, one of the things I really loved, uh, I mean, I, I was floored when I found out this even existed uh, two, uh, three years ago. But uh, a webcomic adaptation of the this script synopsis was being created and published by a team of comic artists and writers on the website batmanmeetsgodzilla.com batmanmeetsgodzilla.com but only two downloadable issues came out and the project mysteriously paused on August 24th, 2020 that seems to be the last update I was reading this back then and trust me, I was very disappointed I kept checking back, eventually I just gave up I checked again tonight and I gotta tell you there's been no more updates no more, very disappointed uh, hopefully that gets picked up. Uh, I'm even tempted to email them and be like, hey, you know, you, you need a cartoonist? Uh, anyway, I've got plenty on my plate. It's just really exciting. Uh, I really hope that the team that was working on this comes back to it. Uh, but anyway, I'd like to give some citations. Uh, some I needed to refresh my memory since it had been three years since I found that this was a thing. So, I need to refresh my memory. So, here are my sources. Uh, the Wacky Story of Batman vs. Godzilla by Paperfins on YouTube. Godzilla vs. Batman, the movie that almost happened by Dangerville on YouTube. Tohokingdom.com, the Kaijuologist.com, Wikizilla.org, and Grantland.com, all found on a Google search. Or a YouTube search, respectively. Anyway, that is tonight's Japan Jaunt. I hope that you all were just excited as I was initially when I found out that Batman vs. Godzilla was almost a thing. Well, here's to... Here's to that. And who knows what else could have almost existed or might exist in the future. We'll never know. This is Cartoonist Will, signing off. Sayonara.
Hey nerds, Richard here, taking a moment to talk to you about the podcast. If you have enjoyed one or all of our episodes, please take a moment to like, subscribe, and or follow us. Uh, We are on Spotify, Google, and Apple. Uh, If you're listening on Apple, please take a moment to leave us a review. It really does help. And let your friends know as well. Shout it from the rooftops. Come on, you know you want to. We just saw, we were literally out in the parking lot. Will and I just saw Thor Love and Thunder. That might be my favorite part of this film. And it's about as wild and crazy as our opening is. Crazier, yeah. (laughs) It's a film that tried a little too hard to be funny. If this is saying anything, the two things that made me laugh the most were Screaming Goats and a very dark, dark joke about eating children. And what made me laugh the most was listening to Richard laugh about eating children. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, they, they went there. They went there. It's, it's very dark. Dark times. Dark times. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> oh my goodness. So hey guys, we are, without, with very little preamble, we are jumping right into Killing this week's that episode. So we're recording this on Thursday night, which is... Let's be honest, Thursday yeah. nights are the real opening nights. I don't know why they even bother to say it's the Friday. It's like, yes. why do they do that? I don't know. every theater I know of releases on Thursday. Everyone, you know, it's like, I know it's like early release, but early. whatever. No, it's not. Anyway, Thursday night, the real opening night. So, all right, on a scale... No, let's see. Should we do five stars or a scale of one to ten? What do you think, Will? I was gonna, you know, you know, I have an answer no matter how many numbers, fictional numbers you choose to use. Let's do, <laughs> let's do, let's do five stars because okay. this takes place in space. Much of it takes okay. place in space. So, quick, quick reaction. How many stars out of five would you give it? Five being the best. Like, do we have points? Five is like Can the I Godfather Part Two, or you know, Avengers: Infinity War. Or, you know, name your name your excellent movie. Wait, wait, what? What? I, I'm, I'm lost. What, what? What would be your number five? Like, if five is like the pinnacle of cinema. Oh, oh. What would oh, what be is my number five? What's your number five? Like, what would I know, maybe? Uh, what would be your your measuring? Maybe stick? Infinity War. That is my favorite MCU yeah. movie up to this point. I yeah, I mean, I have to admit though, I've become cynical after Endgame for some reason of the whole MCU. Oh, and, yeah, time travel, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. No, I loved in game. It's just, just movies and theaters in general this year. I've just been cynical about them. I don't know why. Hmm. I've been really harsh. Well, sir, you can bring that cynicism into yes. this review because it will be well placed. <laughs> it will be well placed. <laughs> so, we haven't even seen Jurassic World Dominion yet either. <laughs> that's true. We have not. That's we a horror not. waiting to be unleashed. <laughs> <laughs> we have not. Eventually, we will. All right. Well. While you're thinking about your rating, I'm going to think about mine. <sighs> well, I know my rating. <laughs> so out of five stars, on a scale of one to five, with with point five being the last airbender. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and, and five stars, let me see, what would be my five-star film? I don't oh. even know. Dang. Are we sure that last airbender isn't somehow better? <laughs> You know, this, this is going to sound crazy, but 
One movie that is about as close to perfect as a film can get is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. It hits on work. <laughs> the Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Well, okay, ben, I need to watch Ben this, Stiller. Then. Yes, you need to see it. It's about as close to perfect as a film can get. That's it, great. It hits on drama, comedy, epic scenery, beautiful music, heartfelt sentiment, and it nails all of it. And what? good and good music. Right. It's really hard to do that. So but, <laughs> but as far as the MC as far as the MCU is concerned, yeah. I think Infinity War and I know there's a lot to build up to it, but I think Infinity War would be my number five. And among the MCU movies, let's see, what would be my number one? What would be my bottom of the scale for MCU movies? That's really hard for me to decide. Iron Man two. Iron Man you know two. what? I'm going with Iron Man two as well. I've got that movie this by the way, if you couldn't tell, we're out in the parking lot. We're literally in the parking lot of the theater where right, you saw this. So hopefully you can hang out. Anyway, okay, so between Iron Man 2 and Infinity War, I'm going to put this right smack in the middle. I'm going to give it a 2.5. I was thinking a 2.5. That's why I was asking if you could use points earlier. Yeah. It's like I want to give it a 3, but it's too high. I want to give it a 2, but I feel like it's too low. I, I think right in the middle is, is, a, is a good rating. It's not the worst MCU movie. Definitely not the best. No. I'm going to have to watch this again, preferably when it comes to Disney Plus, because right now I'm still trying to figure out what I just watched. (laughs) It was a wild ride. Yeah, it was a wild ride with screaming goats. (laughs) (laughs) So, obviously, this is not a video episode. I was wondering. <laughs> the, the light, the lighting is shit. Is this? I, I don't know who they is in this picture. But. I took a shower and changed clothes just for that video, Richard. <laughs> oh. I have a rocket raccoon on my chest. Oh yes, but didn't play in this movie as much as I hoped he would. <laughs> yes, the Guardians. So this isn't much of a spoiler because you find this out in the first few minutes of the film. But the Guardians are only in the first few minutes of the, of the film. film. Yeah. Which I don't know what I expected. I don't think I put a lot of thought into it, to be honest with you. Um, I think I thought they would be in a little bit more of it, yeah, but I, I but I wasn't. I wasn't overly. Oh, well. Yeah, like I wasn't overly like interested in whether they would or wouldn't be necessarily. But oh, by the way, we haven't gotten here. Oh, that's right. You you said two point five stars. Yes, two point five. Okay. So we both agree, two point five stars. This is a middle of the road MCU movie. Middle of the road. Yes, better. On the better than better than the last the Airbender, but not as good as the Secret Life of Walter Mitty. So, Will, give us, give us your spoiler free, my spoiler free, your spoiler free synopsis. Uh, you mean a synopsis or my reaction to it? Um, synopsis of the film or reaction to the? Film? Give, give us a synopsis. Give us okay. give us a spoiler free synopsis if you can. Spoiler free. This is a test. Hmm. This is only a test <laughs> of the emergency broadcast system. Uh, was that spoilers? Okay, well, everybody. If you can. If you can. Okay, okay, there are a few things everybody knows about this film, or at least everybody's been paying attention to trailers and the comic book storylines. Okay, so uh, Batman is going around killing all the gods, and uh, uh, <laughs> Senator uh, Amidala has cancer, and. Uh, Thor has to make a bunch of jokes to save everybody. Yay, the children. Captain Kirk's father. You you need to keep in mind there with your alternate movie references. 
Is Chris Hemsworth the father of the new Captain Kirk? Yes, he played Captain Kirk's father. Dang. Well, yeah. he played Captain Kirk's father. Yeah, for about three minutes. Chris Hemsworth? Yeah. I missed San- that. Sans the beard or long hair. I yes. really missed that. I really did. You go back and watch the 2008 Star Trek. 2008? Yeah, yeah the Abrams Star Trek one, film. Right? He's, he's in it. The he's, first uh, Abrams? It's James Kirk's father. Huh. Anyway. Well, I just want to be funny. Uh... Well, this, okay, this is what I thought the movie was going to be like going in. I thought it would have some humor because that's the direction Thor has been going lately. But I thought we were going to get this serious story of, uh, about Jane Foster having cancer and trying to fat fight and battle that as the mighty Thor. Uh, I do did know from the comics that Every time she became the Mighty Thor, it brought her closer to death. I didn't know that. Mm. Not not everyone would know that, though. By um, the way, that was a little bit of a spoiler. Actually, that was a spoiler. Sorry, that was a spoiler. Apologies. Sorry. All right, so... I guess I felt like it wasn't, but it was. We're about halfway through the review, so we might as well jump in with spoilers. So, from this point on, be aware, there may be some spoilers that slip through. So, if you haven't seen it yet, Wait and listen to this afterwards. Yes. And argue with us. But you should have done that from the get-go. Yeah, you know us. You guys know us. You know, we, we spoil things. We like to spoil things. Maybe, yeah. Well, anyway. go to your houses and leave your fridge door open. But I'll eat I'll eat everything because it's wasted food. But then we'll leave your fridge door open and it'll spoil. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Alright, so you were saying, you were talking about Natalie Portman uh, well, I was expecting a different movie than what we got. That was my point. I'm sorry for the spoiler. Uh, we're now in spoiler territory. <clears throat> so what I was expecting is I was expecting a love story between Thor and Mighty Thor, who I actually wish was called Lady Thor, but isn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's only because I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> About these they names. probably thought it would be sexist to call her Lady Thor. So yeah, like, well, she's mighty, mighty she's mighty Thor in the comics. Oh, is she? Okay. Yeah, but I'm just confused about the name. And, uh, because that's actually Thor's name, but she's Thor. Like It's like... It's like in... Is it really his name, though? I wonder. Or is it a title? No, it's his name, but yeah. turn it into a title <laughs> for, for Mighty Thor... It's like in uh, the last Skywalker saga, Star Wars movie, oh, uh, yeah. Rise of Skywalker, where at the end, Skywalker turns into a, from a name into a title. Yeah, that was dumb. Yeah, so I'm confused. I'm not saying... I love the idea of Mighty Thor, Jane Foster. i just confused about the name. Anyway, uh, so, you know, like it's like if you had Barbara Gordon but called her Batman. Ah, yes, that's true. That would, or, or Bruce. Instead of, instead, <laughs> instead of uh, Batgirl yeah. or Batwoman. Bruce Wayne. Was she ever Batwoman? I don't know if she was Batgirl. She was Batgirl. Batwoman was Kate Kane, I think. Ah, uh, yes, okay. And yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. some other people were Probably someone else, too, I'm sure. Um, anyway. I'm getting confused and lost. We didn't get the film, but I thought we got, we got a movie... I tried way too hard to be funny, and we were both talking about this. Richard, what are your thoughts? Yeah, like, I felt similar, uh, similarly about this one, you know, the way I felt about Thor Ragnarok. Um, 
like obviously Thor: The Dark World, it has some humor, but not much. It's, you know, it's fairly somber film for yeah. the most part. And Thor: Ragnarok, they were definitely trying to go in a different direction. And the first time I saw it, I felt like they were trying too hard, and it, the humor didn't quite seem to fit the Thor character because it seemed to be a departure from his character. And this is true. It's like true. it didn't quite work for me the first time. But then the second time I watched Ragnarok, whatever the reason, it, it, it you know I was more amenable to it the second time, and it actually I enjoyed it a lot more the second time I watched it, and the humor worked a little more for me. And I felt like in Infinity War they they struck maybe the perfect balance of gravitas and and just enough humor infused. I thought the Russo brothers were particularly good at that, True. In, in infusing just enough humor. So that you don't get depressed. That's all <laughs> That's I ask for is balance. Yeah. I want, I don't want an entire container of wontons or just soup and one wonton. I want a balance. <laughs> Melissa, Melissa McCarthy said. <laughs> yeah, and I do think... It was in this film. I do think they, they were trying to... I feel like they were trying to top Ragnarok as far as humor went. And some of it landed and some of it did not. Like... Um, by the way, spoiler warning, although that's not a huge surprise, but uh, Matt Damon makes another cameo in this film. Oh, he did? I missed it. What? Was that one of he the actors? Loki. He played Loki. He was he the... played... Okay. Yeah, was, he was the I, fake Loki. I was wondering if those people were supposed to be someone I should know about, so okay. Well, no, it was, I, I like the fact that they, they... You find out that they are actually Asgardians, which I don't know who else they would have been in the other movie, but like that they actually connect them to the community and they... They talk to the Ooh. the queen, you know. Um, I'm surprised they uh, survived the destruction of Asgard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, why did they survive? <laughs> well, I guess you can't kill Matt Damon. Um, <laughs> I guess not. Um, he had a long commute to work. <laughs> but no, like that that cameo was hilarious. And of course, Sam Neill plays Odin's son once again. He reprises his role. As, wait, that was Sam Neill. That was Sam Neill. Wait, wait. So he looked familiar. So he plays Odin. Odin was Not playing Odin's son. The Odin. fake. The real Odin was playing the fake Odin in this film. No, Sam Neill was playing fake Odin, like the actor okay. who was portraying Odin in the play. So who plays the real Odin? The real Odin was in this film. Okay, so you're just saying Sam Neill was on board for fake Odin. Okay. okay yeah, okay. yeah. Sam Neill played the Asgardian actor who played Odin. I didn't even recognize him. Really? So we had oh, we had Doctor Grant. Didn't recognize here. his voice. Doctor Grant. No, his voice is so distinctive, more or less. Anyway, we're getting off topic again. Very off topic. <laughs> so, so we'll rewind a bit and, and give this. Let, let's rewind all the way back to the beginning, where Christian Bell's character. Did they ever say what his first name was? They just call him Gore. Gore. Okay. Yeah. So Gore, Gore the God Butcher. It's like his only name. But initially, he's just Gore, and the film opens with him and his daughter um, basically dying of thirst in a desert, and he kneels down and he cries out to the gods and asks for them to save his daughter, and she dies very sadly. A very particular god he plays to. Yeah. His name I don't remember, but was complete jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't even remember... Uh, yeah, that's a, which I guess is supposed to be a, a bit of a joke. Yeah. But like, and then, for some reason, I don't completely understand why his name got called, or why he was like summoned to the gods' oasis that suddenly popped up in the middle of the desert. 
I, I, I was quite confused. I thought he actually might have. Oh, died. I know, I know. It was the sword that called. But yeah, it was the sword calling him. I just I couldn't figure out. Okay, so since the sword is calling him, did the sword th- therefore help him get to the oasis? I guess so. Like, like open the portal to the, this god realm. The necro. What's the name of the sword again? The necrom. Necromance. Necromance. The necromancer sword. Something like that. They use the word necro. You know, the necro sword. <laughs> Necromancer sword. I don't know. Something like that. But um, that doesn't make any sense because. Well, okay, the shadow beast. Well, I mean, it was like the shadow him. realm calling to him through the sword. That must have been it. Because that particular god had just killed another, the previous owner of the sword who was trying to kill him. So, because he's like laying dead there. Right. And then Gore becomes the next chosen person, on, you know, chosen vessel, whatever, for the sword. So the sword is a girl. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But uh, how how sure are we on the name of the sword? Because sword necromancing swords would actually resurrect the dead to zombies. But he did. He did necro the, necro something. I mean, the idea of, is like it's the sword of death, basically. Yeah, you know, so. I'm thinking it must have been just the necro sword. But, yeah, we'll have to look it up. Anyway, the the sword of death. Yes, death sword. The death sword. Um, do not. So he, he takes that on, and then then throughout the course of the first act of the film, you know, we find out that he has been killing the gods. Which, do you know anything about the the Marvel Comics origin of the gods? Were they created by the, by uh, the that, Celestials? That's complicated and stupid. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> like, did the Celestials I, create uh, them, or, you know? We saw two Celestials as they, they got the heck out of there, of the, ooh, the city of Omnipotency, or Yeah, I noticed that, like, they were, or, or they were the guard, were they the guards to the, I don't know, they were just, like, standing there, and they, they were just they too were big just, to like, get to the meeting hall. <laughs> I guess. Um, I don't know, man, it's like when all the writers of the Marvel Comics decided to write all this stuff, they didn't decide to consult each other. Oh, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like we got our nice little god of... We got uh, Fat Zeus. We got Fat, fat Zeus. Fat Zeus. But we also got our our our, uh, our Chinese dumpling god. Yeah. <laughs> that was interesting. <laughs> and then, of course, we got Korg's god. Yes, Korg um, was very honored that day. Yeah. <laughs> um, the most coolest god there. Yeah, so, like, He's killing all the gods. You know, Thor finds out, well, and he comes to New Asgard on on the Earth. Um, and New Asgard, which is on Midgard, and conjures up shadow monsters who start attacking the town of Asgard. And then Thor finds out about it from... I can't remember the name of his. No. I zoned out. I was the, too busy trying, still trying to figure out how to answer your question about the creation of the Marvel Universe. The warrior, she she was a part of Thor's. Oh, you mean Valkyrie? No, the no. other warrior that was a part of Wars. Sophie. Sophie. Sophie? Sophie? No. Sophie. Sophie? No. Sophie. No. That's it. Sophie. No. Seth? Seth. Those are Seth, I think. Mr. 
a nickname. Anyway, <laughs> he finds out from her about the God Butcher, and then he realizes that he's attacking Asgard. And obviously, we realize pretty quickly that the God Butcher is doing that to lure Thor there because he wants to get Thor's. My brain is not working tonight. What's the name of Thor's weapon? He says it so many times in this film. Well, the original weapon was Mjolnir and well, then Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Stormbreaker. 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 Although I think he starts calling it Mjolnir when he sees it again. Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Mjolnir? Mjolnir. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Nordic. It's Nordic. So it's like I, don't, I don't speak Nordic. Mjolnir. I don't know. <laughs> Mjolnir. Um, but, but yeah, so Stormbreaker... And he wants to get a hold of Stormbreaker, and we find out later that this is because he wants to break into Eternity, or Eternity's realm, however that works, so that he bridge. can be granted a wish. And the wish he intends I've, to make is to kill all gods throughout yeah. the known universe. And what I'm confused about is I thought Eternity... I mean, Chris Pratt's character, Star-Lord, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, gets a glimpse of Eternity and calls out Eternity in that film. Really? And uh, so that was our first glimpse of this character in the MCU. Hmm. I'm not certain if that's supposed to connect or how that does connect to this film, but I will say I thought that Eternity was a Celestial, and he looks like a Celestial in the outline. Hmm. By the way, this little girl, they say she it's kind of, this is the spoiler review. Oh, yeah, the guy, she has, so the guy Butcher's daughter that yeah. was killed. This is towards the this is the third act of the film, so we're jumping ahead a little bit. Well, I'm just confused about eternity. She, her reflection yeah. in the water is eternity. Yeah, that's, so that's, I wonder about that. I mean, I don't want to spoil too much. We'll just put it that way. I mean, this is a spoiler review at this point. Yeah, but um, so I guess we'll go ahead and jump into the third act because both our good opinion, act. both our opinions. It was the best act of the film. Yes. The first two, first two were, acts sucked. Yeah, they were severely lacking. The, most of the jokes didn't land. The dialogue was a bit stiff. Um, I, I only the delivery was a bit stiff. I kind of liked Russell Crowe's, hilar- you know, meant to be hilarious Zeus performance. It, 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 it's like if they took the father from Big Fat Greek Wedding and turned him into a Greek god. Yeah, it's oh, kind of like that. Fits. I think he was trying to channel the dad from the big group fat wedding. <laughs> I guess that fits. <laughs> yep. Um, which, if you've seen the film or if you've seen him in anything recently, you know that Russell Crowe is, is currently uh, overweight and has been for some time because uh, he never works out. Even back when he did Gladiator, he, uh, I remember hearing like he did not want to work out even for Gladiator. Just kind of funny. Eh. Age has caught up with him, it seems. Anyway. Um, but yeah, like he, he kind of pokes fun at himself, I think, in this. And, uh, yeah, Russell is actually pretty good with comedy. If you've ever seen The Ooh. Nice the nice Guys, it's, it's really funny. Um, Tim and Ryan Gosling. It's, uh, it's, it's one of those rare films that can combine a very serious murder mystery with dark humor. And, and it pulls off both. Like, it's, it's funny, but it's also, you want to know what happens in the mystery. But anyway, I recommend, I recommend it. Um, but we're off topic. Yeah. So the third act, and probably the most epic scene in the movie would be when they go to the Shadow Realm. Um, though I love when they crash on the, I don't know if it's the Shadow Planet or what, 
I don't like, even know. They just crashed on it don't and, and, and evoked, to me it evoked one of the, evoked, I think one of the very first, if not the first motion picture ever made, which Journey to the Moon or Trip to the Moon. You know, oh, where, were they in black and white on the moon? Yeah, like where, oh, cool. where the people are trying to go to the moon and then shows a spaceship going towards the moon and then it hits the moon's face. Oh, that? Have you ever seen that? I You've think I know what clip. you're talking about. What, they got there with a bullet, right? Like a bullet? I mean, it, it's a spaceship. spaceship. Yeah, it's like bullet-shaped. Yeah, but then it boom, yeah. shot them off Earth. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, seen, and I like the moon has that. a face, and then it hits the moon. Yeah. That was one of the very first motion pictures. Uh, they, uh, I think they made me watch that in uh, Digital Effects Animation College. Makes sense. <laughs> it's historic. But the, uh, the crash you onto... saw that dinosaur. Well, okay, I'm getting off track. Yeah, well, the crash onto the the shadow planet ah! reminded me of that. And then, of course, at first you think the goats have died in the crash, but they survived. Yeah, I was like, I've seen two. <laughs> <laughs> I love those goats. But no, that 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 was funny, I, I must say. Because I wasn't expecting it, because it's getting uber serious, and then it turns black and white. And you're like, oh, what's going to happen That was now? a really neat effect, though. It was. I liked I, that. I didn't understand why it was suddenly we're here, and then boom, black and white. Where's the color? Yeah, you would have thought that it would have been, like, well before they were there or something, but I don't know. Yeah, and the, the only source of color in the Shadow Realm is when the light of Mjolnir and Stormbreaker start to see a little bit of color. What's it like, the Realm of Death? Yes. And the uh, Realm of Death, sorry, I yawned. And what, the God, divine God powers, what, color? I don't know. Representative light or something? I, I guess. Like, I... I Symbolically... Yeah, the, the God Butcher is there and he's keeping the Asgardian children hostage there to lure Thor and his company, which he successfully does and successfully arrests the Stormbreaker from Thor before they go back to Midgard. Um, there's another... What's Logard? All right, so we're, we're getting close on time here. We've rambled on about Thor. We we both enjoy it. I mean, it's Marvel, it's Thor. Yeah. We enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yes. But, I, I, I tried to enjoy the But it was definitely, definitely middle-of-the-road MCU movie. Yeah. Kind of mediocre as far as MCU movies go. I don't think the, uh, I don't think the story was lacking. I think they, they just the execution. overdid it too much on the humor and that's, tough, that's, that's the tough thing part. about comedy is that yeah. it either lands or it doesn't. And I, I don't want to force a Ghostbuster reference, but Ghostbusters, it could have been a straight-up comedy, and it probably would have flopped, in my opinion. It still would have been cool, but flopped, but it takes itself seriously, and that's something this movie doesn't. It doesn't take itself seriously until the third yeah. act. It's true. And that's what I didn't like about it. Uh... Why, why should I take your movie seriously when you don't even take it seriously? That's a really good point. Yeah, because... Why should I take this story seriously? Why should I take your cancer seriously? It's just jokes everywhere, you know? Like, every single second is a joke. But sorry, I just wanted to get my beef on the table here before we close. Yeah, that's what this is for. Yeah. No, I do agree. Like, it, it did not execute the, the humor well. Um, it didn't have the balance that some of the Russo films in the MCU did of, you know, the gravitas, the seriousness, and then the humor. 
and and even even Thor, I think, was funnier in, in those, in part because you had the balance there between the seriousness and Thor's humor. It just felt more natural in those films, as well as the other humor. You know, it felt more natural. Um, whereas this, like you said, like it did feel more forced. Like, hmm. so it's about time to go. Meek here again with the giant screaming goats. Ah! Why they're screaming, I don't know. Um, ah! So, Taika, I don't know if you're going to be directing the next Thor movie or if there's going to be a next Thor movie, but if there is, please, ah! please do better. We know you can. And thank you for giving my body back by the end of the film. I was very glad to have a, a body again. Didn't know I could grow one after being only a face, but I I could, and and I made made baby, ah! a lovely baby with Blaine or Dwayne I don't remember his name. He had a mustache though, which I'm not sure what that was made of, but yeah, whatever. I think it was like volcanic rock. Is there a fuzzy rock? I think it was moss. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so... Don't make fun of my husband. <laughs> in the comments, if you think it's Blaine, type Team Richard. If you think it's Dwayne, Team Will. <laughs> oh, we can Go make Team the, Will. We can make that a poll. We can make that a poll. Was it Blaine or Dwayne? <laughs> so Will thinks it was Dwayne because he thinks it's a reference to Dwayne the Rock Johnson, which which could be funny. I can see that. But I'm pretty sure it was Blaine. But I may be very wrong. Yeah. <laughs> It's okay if you're listening. You know. You can just beep it out. <laughs> we love Korg. We really do. Make a Korg movie. That's all you want. Oh, yes. With Deadpool. Korg. Oh, yeah. Korg and Deadpool. And uh, maybe Wolverine. I'm great at what I do. What I do is not kosher. Uh, Wolverine could, you know. <coughs> I'm Batman. Could cut my arm off or something and it would grow back. I'll be okay. Apparently you do that. <laughs> Alright. Goodbye, nerds. You're still here. Goodbye. Sayonara. Smithers, who are these irreverent nerds? Well, sir, they're the hosts of this podcast. What's a podcast? Well, sir, it's kind of like a radio show. Ah, I see. Like The Shadow or CBS News. Yes, sir. Hmm. I think we should buy it. Uh, I don't think it's for sale, sir. Poppycock, I just bought Twitter. I can buy this podcast. All right, sir. I'll talk to them and see what they say. Excellent. Sacred Path Written and performed by Richard Best Upon entering the viewing room, the young student noticed his teacher sitting, cross-legged and still, in front of the viewport. 
the lights were out, so that only the outline of his slender frame could be seen against the backdrop of the massive planet's many storms. One of them, which the student knew to be as large as thousands of his home planet put together, swirled violently just to the left of his teacher's head. There exists only what is, nothing more. This is the way of things. The old teacher, his wrinkled eyebrows furrowed, cast a stern glance at his student. At first, this made the student shrink. He lowered his head in shame. Do not look down. You must not turn away from me. I am sorry, old one. I meant no disrespect. Young one, the person for whom you should hold respect is yourself. Do not allow anyone to turn your gaze to the ground. Yes, old one. The student lifted his head, stirring up the courage to meet his teacher's fiery gaze. There was a passion and wisdom there which seemed so out of reach. How am I ever to walk the sacred path as the old one has? He thought. It seems so far away. Your thoughts betray you, young one. You wonder how you can ascend to the sacred path. Yes, old one. First, you must learn that you will never attain it. Only then will you be ready. Old one, I do not understand. How can I ascend if it is not possible for me to attain it? When our ancestors walked the ground, they imagined the sacred path could be found out here amongst the planets and stars. Now that we have been traveling amongst them for thousands of years, we have begun to believe the sacred path is to be found upon the soil of our new home. But you do not think so, old one? The teacher did not immediately respond to his student's question. He could see the eagerness in the young one's eyes. He wants to be the one. The teacher shook his head, then turned to his student and spoke. When one believes he has found the sacred path, he should keep looking, for he has not found it. Old one, I do not understand. Have you not attained the sacred path yourself? Do you not now tread upon it? I do. Then why do you say one who seeks it must keep looking, even after he believes he has found it? Young one, how did our people come to travel amongst the stars? We discovered the folding of space, and we learned to traverse the fold. Indeed. And what of the twelfth engineer? If she had accepted that her kind had found the fastest means of propulsion and sought to look no further, would she have learned how to traverse the fold? The student thought for a few moments. He did not wish to give the wrong answer to his teacher. Finally, he ventured to speak. No. Our people would have remained in our galaxy 
had she believed her forebears had achieved the fastest speed. Indeed. And how do you think this line of inquiry relates to your seeking of the sacred path? The young student pondered this question for several minutes, his smooth brow furrowed in concentration. The old one sat patiently, not deigning to move lest he alter his student's focus. At last, the young one spoke, his face suddenly lighting up with understanding. I see it! If the twelfth engineer had believed that the eleventh engineer had attained to this sacred path of space travel, then the twelfth would not have tried to find a better way. She would have stopped. So, in believing she had not attained it, she was able to ascend to the sacred path of space folding. The teacher smiled. His student was nearly there. Do you believe that the twelfth engineer attained the sacred path? The student looked confused. Did she not? We have been testing her theories for thousands of years and have found no way to improve them. Did she not ascend to the sacred path? Young one, first... All students must realize they will never attain the sacred path. Only then will they be ready to ascend. I still do not understand. If one says, I have found the way, then he has not found it. If one says, I have not found the way, yet continues to seek it, then he has found it. The old one looked over at his student, a twinkle in his eyes. The young one saw a beautiful blue sphere reflected in his teacher's eyes. He started, then asked, Is that our new home? Yes, young one. We have found it. Thank you for joining me for this week's edition of Sci-Fi Focus. Stay tuned next week for more. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Irreverent Nerds Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at irreverent underscore nerds plural we are on facebook our fan page is simply called the irreverent nerds we're on youtube the irreverent nerd and if you go to anchor.fm forward slash irreverent nerd you can support us for 99 cents a month 4.99 a month or 9.99 a month you can also send us a voice message which we may include in a future episode fellow nerds Until next time, make it so. Engage. Avengers Assemble. I'm Batman.